0: From Church on Morgan, a United Methodist congregation whose desire is to be a reminder of the beauty of God and each other. This podcast is a collection of Sunday teachings inspired by the Revised Common Lectionary and recorded weekly in Raleigh, North Carolina. And now a moment of silence before this episode begins. this morning, um, our gospel lesson comes from the book of John. We're going to be looking at verse uh, chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. So if you would, hear now a word from the Lord. And this is what John writes. Uh, he says, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world... This is the one about whom I said, he who comes after me is really greater than me because he existed before me. Even I didn't recognize him, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be made known to Israel. John testified, I saw the spirit coming down from heaven like a dove and it rested on him. Even I didn't recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, the one on whom you see the spirit coming down and resting is the one Who baptizes with the Holy Spirit? I have seen and testified that this one is God's Son. Then the next day, John was standing again, uh, this time with two of his disciples, when he saw Jesus walking along and he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned around and saw them following, he asked, What are you looking for? They said, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, uh, where are you staying? He replied, come and see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two disciples who heard what John said and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. He first found his own brother Simon, and he said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. And he led him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, but you'll be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you're going to sit down, let's say you found yourself in the position where John and some of these other disciples uh, had the great opportunity and grace to spend their life walking alongside of Jesus and then... 20, 30, 40 years later, uh, you realize that uh, the experience you had was not just for you, but for the world, and that it was going to be important for you to sit down and to write an account of the life of this one that you shared three years with. Uh, I wonder if if you were to do that, to put yourself in that kind of writer's seat, how you would imagine you might introduce Jesus. Uh, what, what would be the first words that you would have Jesus speak, right? Uh, there's so many things he could say, but what would be the thing that you would have him say? Uh, this morning, you might have missed it. John was doing a lot of the talking, but in the middle of all this action, uh, we actually hear the first spoken words of Jesus in the gospel of John. And they were surprising to me when I realized this. Uh, probably because the way I hear the tone in what Jesus says is the way I would probably offer what Jesus says, which might not be his tone. Here, let me remind you of the scene. This is what we just read, right? Uh, in my mind, it feels a little bit like um, uh, kind of how I show up on Saturdays at Home Depot, okay? So, John is there. He's hanging out with his guys. He's got these disciples. He's the day one, he's like, look, y'all, that's him. This the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right there. And then we're told that on day two, John's out there doing it again, still on the bullhorn, still holding the sign. Look, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this time when he says it and he points to Jesus who's walking by, two of John's own disciples wander away from John and start kind of like following Jesus, right? They don't know him. They don't have like an introduction, they're just sort of curious, like, what this dude's about. And so they're stalking him at a bit of a distance, hovering, right? I say it reminds me of my Home Depot experience because, like, I did not grow up um, with uh, a parental figure who sat me down and taught me how to do make things and, like, how to make your way through Home Depot or tools. It's like we kind of had one wrench and you could hit things with it, turn stuff with it, like, whatever, right? And so I... Uh, Now, trying to figure these things out as an adult, we'll watch a handful of YouTubes, I'll build up the confidence, I'll go into Home Depot, I'll walk all the way down, all the way back, reading the signs, trying to find the aisle. When I think I've found the aisle, I just sort of hover around until I hear some people talking that sound like they know what they're talking about, right? And then I slowly build up the courage to figure out how I'm going to ask the question when I don't even know what the technical term for the thing is I'm trying to ask for, you know? I don't know if you've ever been there. And so you start to hear... One person talked to another person, and they seem to have a real ease and confidence about them, and you go, I think they might be the people who can help me, you know? And so then they're having a conversation, but you're just sort of like standing there, right? <laughs> kind of like waiting for your turn, and I can tell you 50% of the time, I stand there for five minutes, and I eventually just walk away anyway. And I'm like, I couldn't, I didn't have the nerve, I'll just, eh, I'll pay somebody to fix it, like whatever, right? <laughs> This is the scene. John has invested in these guys. They've been with him, but they've heard him say this now at least two days in a row, these bold proclamations that that guy right there is the guy. And so they're like, well, I thought you were the guy, but if you're not the guy and that's the guy, then let's go find out what that guy's about. And so it's in that awkward moment that Jesus turns and John gives us the first spoken words by Jesus in his gospel. And this is what he says, of all the things that Jesus could say, all the ways to introduce him to us. He opens by saying, what do you want? What do you want? Some translations put it, what are you looking for? What are you after? What are you seeking? Can I help you, please? I see you. You're standing right there. What are you after? It's actually... The more I've sat with it, the more I appreciate it. Um, You know, one of my own growing edges as a leader is that I hear that great leaders ask lots of questions and talk very little. Um, This is difficult for me, right? But Jesus, surprise, surprise, opens with a question. He doesn't start with a speech. He just starts with a question. Also, I love in his radical candor that he doesn't start with small talk. He just goes straight to the heart of it. What do you want? I can see you. What are you after? What are you looking for? It took me 20 years to get the courage to put this question in my repertoire, but I'm telling you, here's a little pro tip. This may be worth the whole morning for some of you. As somebody who uh, regularly meets with people multiple times a week, I spent the first 20 years of ministry going into every meeting with no earthly idea what this meeting was about, right? Never sure if I was about to be invited into some like deep, comforting, pastoral care moment, if we were just hanging out, and shooting the breeze, if you were uh, very upset about something I'd done and were coming to let me know that you and a f- faction of our people were leaving, right? Like every meeting you just come in like, oh God, what's this gonna be about? And I usually get 30 minutes in and I still have no idea. Waiting until the last five minutes when someone says, so the reason why I met, right? And so just a year or two ago, I finally took the bold step of whenever somebody schedules a meeting with me, I have a question that says, what would you like to discuss? It's been a game changer right? I show up to meetings and I know, this one we're just hanging out, let's hang out. This one has concerns, okay. But I've thought about, this one has a huge theological question that I didn't have to come up with an answer like on the spot, but I had a chance to look something, right? Jesus looks at these folks and he says, what do you want? What are you after? I love the boldness of it. I love how efficient it is. I love how direct he is. But I get the sense that you, you probably... Like me, have a feeling that this is probably more than Jesus managing his calendar and being efficient in his meetings. That this question actually has like a deeper level. That we can already hear it. We're already squirming under the weight of it. We can already feel it being directed at us. That the God of the universe engages with humanity and starts the relationship with, "What do you want? What are you seeking?" What's this about? I um, was kicking this around with Sam this week, and she said, You know, that reminds me a lot. In uh, musical theater, they have this thing called the I Wish song or the I Want song. Any musical theater people know about this? Yeah, I did not. Uh, But essentially, it's a pattern. It's not necessarily a formula, but it's a pattern that people have perceived that all of the great musicals, like all of them, Uh, They can't find an example where this isn't true, but almost every single one of them, right, has what they call an I wish or an I want song within the first 15 minutes. It's often the second or the third song in the musical. And uh, almost all the time, they even use the language of I want or I wish. Typically, it's the main character enters the scene and will begin to sing a song about the thing that they most deeply desire, want, and long for. And it's in that song that we the whole story will kind of roll out, right? It's sort of teeing you up to go. This is what this story's about. It's about a person who's seeking X, and it comes out in that beginning of the story. And somehow over time, we've humanity we've just sort of gathered around stories that have this same opening. This is every great story you've ever ter- heard, every, every amazing musical production you've ever experienced, whether you were aware of it or not, somewhere in the first or second scene, in the first 15 minutes, somebody came forward and vulnerably said, this is what I want. This is what I desperately seek in this world, right? So like some examples, I was kind of like Googling, wikipedia this stuff, right? Like um, these second songs, I wish songs, I want songs that get to this deeper level question of what is it that you really want? Are songs like Over the Rainbow and The Wizard of Oz, or If I Were a Rich Man and Fiddler on the Roof, or uh, My Shot and Hamilton, right? Some of us are coming online now, right? Um, and uh, and I start reading through all these different musicals and all these different songs, there's so many, and it's, you're like, I can't believe this has been hiding in plain sight. The, all of these stories, there's a sense in which right out of the gate we're going to tell you what this character wants and it's going to shape and drive the whole story. It, it's this reminder that the thing that we want is shaping and driving our whole story. Do we know what our second song is, right? I'm reading these songs, I'm actually being pretty moved by the clarity and then I came across um, a musical selection that I, that I actually knew, right? I haven't spent a ton of time in musical theater. And, uh, and I was like, I got to read these lyrics to folks. But I couldn't read them. Every time I tried to read them, I found myself singing them. And, um, and so I actually, we're going to do something a little different today. We're going to do a little group karaoke. Um <laughs> And before we start, here's the first thing. I I just need to read the room real quick. Uh, If I say, Little Mermaid, who's excited? Okay, so our Disney people are mostly in these sections. So y'all are gonna be a team, okay? And you're gonna lead out first uh, in a few moments. Uh, Ian's going to press play on the I Wish, I Want song from the classic musical, The Little Mermaid, and then they're going to sing kind of one verse, and then I'm going to turn to y'all, and you're going to show them how it's really done. I've invited my friend Caleb to lead out strong on this. Uh, Y'all are going to show them how it's really done, and then because we're at church, at the end, we're all going to sing the chorus together, okay? Okay. If you want to know what the heart of an I wish or an I want song sounds like, Little Mermaid is great. So with that, Disney people, are you ready? You're going to do this. Nine o'clock showed up. I wasn't sure if you would see this practice, but it worked at nine, so here we are. Um, And with that, let it rip, Ian. You ready? Okay, guys. Tell us what they want, tell us what she wants. Everybody, here we go. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. Well done, y'all. 11 o'clock. once you hear it, you can't unhear it. Every musical you've ever watched, you'll begin to pay attention in that second song and go, this is what the whole story's about. This, this mermaid is desperate to know what this whole other world is like and to participate in it. And the whole story will unroll that way. And Jesus and John, as he's telling the story of Jesus, starts right here at the beginning. And he says, so what do you want? What do you want? And um, the disciples, Andrew... These first two people who start following Jesus, Andrew and another person that were not given their name, they they have this really interesting response. I've always found it pretty funny and never known what exactly to make of it, but but Jesus says, what are you looking for? And they turn to him and they say, where are you staying? Where are you staying? And I've never really known much what to do with that. This week as I was sitting with this again, I, I wondered if maybe what they're asking is that Jesus says, tell me the truth. Like, what's the desire of your heart? What's driving you? What's shaping you? What's the story that you're living about? What are you seeking? And they look back at Jesus and say, essentially, how much time you got, right? Where are you staying? I'm not sure we could cover it right here on this path. And Jesus says to them, come and see. And then John goes out of his way to tell us, and they remained with him that day until four o'clock in the afternoon. We don't know what time the meeting started, but you can hear in John's tone, like, and they hung out a long time, right? They stayed all day. One of the things that's frustrating and interesting about this story is that John poses this question. He tells us that Andrew and this other person go with Jesus to where Jesus is staying. They stay with him all day answering this question. Jesus responding, and yet John doesn't tell us what they said or what Jesus said back to him. I would love to know what Andrew's answer to the question is, what do you want, right? I'd love to hear how Jesus handled sort of this therapeutic environment, what he had to say back to them. But John, for whatever reason, doesn't give it to us. Maybe it's because John's preserving a little bit of confidentiality, you know? There's so much in the story where other people's lives and stories are exposed. Maybe John came to this part and said, some things are just for us and don't need to be shared publicly. I I think maybe a big part of it is because John's telling us this story because he's directing the same question to us. He's creating a blank for us. He's saying, I don't want you to just say what Andrew said. I'm asking you, what do you want? What are you after? And so this morning, this is really all I have to offer you. I just, I'm curious how you would answer that question. I wonder what you would say today if you found yourself walking along the path with Jesus, and the first thing he said to you was, what are you after? What are you looking for? Uh, I had a f- more time to think about it than you have here, just a second. So uh, this week, I, I just kind of went to a coffee shop, got a little space, and started thinking through the, the ways that I would have answered this question in different seasons of my life, and it's often been and sounded different. There have been different things that I've needed or wanted or been looking for, right? And just to give you some examples of the kinds of things that maybe some of us are saying and trying to excavate even in this moment, I think there were seasons in my life where if if Jesus were to ask me, what are, what are you looking for? I would have said, I'm just looking for a witness to my life. I just, I just want to be seen. I think I want, a, I want a friend, right? There are moments when I probably would have said, uh, I'm longing for protection. I'm sick of fighting. I want somebody to fight for me. I want an advocate. I need somebody to speak up, step in between me and this situation, some of us maybe the moment sounds like I'm I'm looking for safety. I just want to be in a secure place where I can let my guard down and be myself. I'm looking for refuge. Some of us are looking for a healer from the things that torment us mentally, ravage our body physically. Some of us are just so desperate for somebody else to take the weight, to lift it from your shoulders and to say, I'll be in charge for a while, and you can just sit there. Some of us are longing, looking for, seeking redemption, for somebody to take this mess that we find ourselves in and somehow make something beautiful out of it. We're looking for a plot twist, a turn, a pivot, something, some significance or meaning. Some of us are just lost at sea. We just want somebody to tell us what to do. Just tell me what to do, what happens next. Maybe you're searching for forgiveness, for some shame that you've been walking under the weight of to be lifted. Uh, Maybe some of us, we just want help. What are you looking for? I'm just looking for help. So uh, sometimes we'll do this thing in here where I'll invite people to turn and discuss a question like this with each other. And all the introverts hate it and and promise they'll never come back. uh, This morning I'm actually going to, I want to create just a little bit of space for you to wrestle with this question because I actually think it's maybe one of the most meaningful things we'll do together today. Um, But it's a solo project. So you might have seen on your bulletin if you haven't, or you got your phone, you scan the QR code, you just sort of pull that up for a second. Right under where it says sermon and what are you looking for, there's a little black button there. I think it says something like 2023 word. I I want to invite you to kind of take a risk here. I just, I would love, I think it would be important for us maybe this morning to hear what, what we're looking for. What, what the heart of the community of Church on Morgan is seeking, what you're after. And it might just be what you're after today. It might be why you showed up, what you're looking for out of me, out of this moment, out of this experience. It might be what you're desperate for in this season, maybe in this year, right? It could just be a word. It could be a phrase. As part of why I just gave you a bunch of that. There was probably something I said in there, maybe that you were like, that's, that's the thing, right? Or you were like, yeah, but I would say it way differently. Do it, right? But would you just take 30 seconds or a minute and don't overthink it? I'm an overthinker, right? What do you want? What do you want today? What are you searching for? This is an anonymous form. We have no idea the responses. We just want to get a little bit of the landscape of where we're as a community. You just take a minute and let us know what you're seeking. So, um, we don't know what Andrew's answer was. We don't know what he said. But what's interesting is after he leaves this meeting with Jesus, uh, one, it changed his life. There was a before and after of that conversation for him. And uh, what immediately happens is he goes home and he finds his brother and he says to his brother, uh, I think I have found the Messiah. Right? So, pretty good conversation. But... I think I've found the Messiah. And for many of us, that that word, it doesn't really, like, have as much resonance with us as maybe it would have with with John and Andrew. But one way of understanding this is in the Jewish people's context, especially in that moment, living uh, under oppression as a minority people group in this unjust system and regime, right, where they were just kind of being disrespected, Uh, day after day after day and taxed within an inch of their life and have been ripped away from all of their most important things, that one possible way to reverse engineer this is, I don't know if this is true, but maybe when Andrew sat down with Jesus and he said, so give it to me straight, what do you want? Andrew began to say, I want free of these people who've oppressed our people. I want to be liberated from this nonsense, right? I, I want to be able to travel freely and to worship in the ways that we choose and and to have our history and our people restored. I want a Messiah to show up and show us the way. And so on the other side of this conversation, he says to his brother, I I think I found the Messiah. In in John chapter one, you heard it. John the Baptist says to everybody, look, friends, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of of the world. I don't know what was going on in John's life, but perhaps for John, the good news that he was experiencing was, I think I've just found the one who can lift shame and forgive sin. And if you are in need of somebody who can lift shame and forgive sin, I'm telling you, this is the guy right here. A few verses later, a guy named Nathaniel will bump into Jesus, and they'll start having a conversation, and Nathaniel will go, teacher, you're my teacher. Right? hey, I've got big questions, and this guy seems to have insight and wisdom. And if you're somebody who's searching for insight and wisdom, I'm telling you, this guy right here is a teacher. One of the things that's fascinating about John's first gospel, or his first chapter in this gospel, is that in, you know, these 40, 50 verses, there's nearly a dozen different names, titles given for Jesus right in that first chapter. It's like, why so many names? In fact, I did kind of a quick search this week of just like, well, how many names are there in the scriptures for God? Like, how many different ways do people refer to God? How many titles do they put on God? Well, by one person's count, there were like 952 or something, right? Like, nearly a thousand different ways that people pointed at the life, ministry, death, resurrection of Jesus and said, I'll tell you what this is about. This is about healing. This is about refuge. This is about grace and forgiveness. This this is about true leadership. This is every single person that encounters Jesus somehow has this unique experience. And so as we walk through the season of epiphany, where the big question on the board for us in this season of the church is who is Jesus? Part of what John's leading us into right here at the beginning is he's a thousand things to a billion different people. And many of us, we grew up in a place, in a space that sort of said, this is who God is. God does this one thing for this one kind of people. And it just, in this morning, instead, Jesus shows up on the scene and just says, what are you seeking? What do you desire? What do you want? What's driving your story? And invites us to engage and find out if in some beautiful way, God might meet us there too. Now, I grew up with enough kind of like, fundamentalism in my background to go, bro, that sounding real like prosperity gospel vibes, like name it and claim it, God's a genie in the sky, whatever you want, you get, you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I think that's fair. In fact, when I looked at this word seek through the New Testament, there's about a hundred times that this word shows up. More than half of them, when people are talking about what they desire, want, and seek in the New Testament alone, more than half of them are about revenge, retaliation, and violence, right? I think it's, but what, but the question is the question, right? God is saying to me, what do you seek? Sometimes it's really helpful to know the story you're in and what you're seeking. Go, I want revenge. What I want right now is retaliation. What I want right now is those jokers to be smited, right? This is what I'm after. Now, that doesn't mean that that's exactly what's going to be delivered to you, but this is where the conversation begins. I mean, one of the be- most beautiful things about the gospel, about the, the ministry of Jesus, is that it starts with our desires. And then as we engage those desires with God, that we see again and again and again that they're transformed, that they're expanded, that they're replaced often by something so much better It's why Richard Rohr, I heard on a podcast just not uh, a week or so ago, talking about this very dynamic, said that so many of us, if we were to name what we want, we would say, we want to win. And Jesus says, then you're going to need to surrender. We're like, "Ah, that's not what I meant, right? And we're like, hey, I want this life. And he says, that's great. You're just going to have to die to it. And you're like, that's not what I meant. Or, hey, you know, this is... um, I just desperately want to have this thing. And Jesus says, that's fine. All you need to do is give it away. This is how Jesus meets us in our desires, transforms them, expands them, replaces them, but it starts with what do you want? This is where the journey begins. And so Church on Morgan this year, as we make our way into uh, whatever season that you're in, my prayer for you and for us is that we would be seekers, that we would be people who are after something, that we'd be honest about it, that we would name it, and that we would give God space to transform it if need be, and that ultimately that you would come to see in this journey that the thing that God seeks most of all is us. And this is where it starts with the simple question, what are you looking for? May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining today. If this episode has been meaningful to you, would you take a moment to share it with a friend? To support this ministry or learn more about our community, visit us at churchonmorgan.org.